I want to just be very clear uh, today, next week, God gave me kind of a two-part message about this idea that I just feel prophetically, which all, I know some people get freaked out when they hear the word prophetic. It just means what is God's desire for a situation? God's will. You ever heard someone say, I'm praying God's will? God's will, it actually means God's desire. And when someone gives a prophetic word, it's, it's actually vocalizing what God's desire is in a situation. So I feel like God's desire for his people, for our church, and I think even the Big C Church, is I feel prophetically that we're entering into a season of, of God allowing the church to take ground. This is a ground-taking season. I know we're watching the news. Some of you are watching the news a lot. It's freaking you out. We're seeing interest rates rise off the charts. We can no longer get gas for under $4 unless we're at Taco Bell. Um, just got to use that joke while I can, folks. Listen to me. They're, they're, we're in a situation right now that everything seems to be moving the wrong way. I know this is an election week. I want to encourage all of you to get out and vote. Can I get an amen? I think that you need to vote your biblical values. It's a big deal. And, uh, but this is the crazy part. God told me, he says, Mark, when seasons of crisis or famine arise, this is when I allow my people to take the most ground. So my thesis this morning is I believe that we're entering in as a church to a window of opportunity for God to actually raise people up in the midst of crisis, confusion, whatever's going on in the world. If you, if you take notice of this, oftentimes God brings Daniels and Davids and Josephs and my shack, your shack, and a bungalow. Are you hearing me? God elevates the esters of the world not when things are going well it has always been in the winds of adversity that god causes his plane to rise and i believe that right now you don't have to be a rocket scientist to discover we are in a battle there is a battle for our nation. There is a battle of good versus evil. I have never seen more dark agendas being propagated in my lifetime than I have in the last two and a half years. It seems like we went kind of crazy, kind of crazy, kind of crazy, and then all of a sudden it's like off the charts. We're calling good things bad, bad things good. You love God, weirdo. You worship anything other than God, you're amazing. Why is it? Why are we living in such a, a crazy quagmire of a window of history that I, I, I believe that we're in this like this global crisis right now. Nations have lost their voice. Nations have lost their identity. Many people are still confused, living in the malaise of what happened in 2020. It's, it's crazy. We're like in this, this recovering window, and everyone's trying to figure out what are we going to do? What's happening to the stock market? What's happening to the real estate industry? What's going on with, with rates? And what's going on with politics? And who's going to get elected in 2024? And what's going to happen regionally? And what's going on in California? What's going on in the school districts? I get messages from public school teachers almost on a, on a weekly basis saying I have to go in for another round of training that is basically programming kids, empowering kids to do dark things. And it's, it's a, listen to me, it, it is a leveraged full-scale agenda from hell trying to go after our children right now. And you, you got to make sure, if you, if you don't know that, you, you check your pulse. All right? We are living in a window of history that there's a lot of adversity. Now, here's where the good news comes in. God raises up his kids to prominence in windows of adversity. I look at our church. Our church was born about, I think it was like nine months before the bottom of the world fell apart. It was like the bottom of the earth just opened up nine months into our church. And we, we entered into COVID. We were too liberal for some people, too conservative for other people. You want to make everybody mad in 2020? Be a pastor of a church. <laughs> Didn't make too many friends. Getting ugly emails, getting rid up on, people driving by with video cameras, trying to report us to local authorities. I'm like, we are living in a crazy window. But listen to me. It was in the face of adversity that our church went from 500 to 2,000 in less than a year. God began to gather like-minded people that go, you know, as for me and my house, we're going to stand. Like my friend said, we, we're not going to err in fear. We're going to believe God. When we're faced with crisis, when your kid gets diagnosed with something scary, do you cower to the fear of, well, it just is what it is? 
or do you let something rise up within you that says, no, God can take care of this. And I want to remind you historically, when the enemy has done his worst, God has taken care of things. So I want to talk to you the next two weeks on this idea of taking ground. If you have your Bibles, I have 30 minutes. You guys ready to go? If you're new to our church, I'm going to read about uh, eight verses out of uh, Exodus chapter 17. This is a story of the first mega church in the world. It's called the Children of Israel. They were led by a pastor named Mo. Come on. <laughs> pastor Moses had an associate pastor named Aaron. He had another guy named Hur. And they had a bunch of people they were leading through a desert for 40 years. After uh, 40 years, excuse me, they... they, they leave Egypt after 10 mighty plagues. They go through a dry sea. They have this crazy moment. They're dehydrated. And the people are getting ready to stone Moses. Um, not California stone. They're talking about rocks. Are you hearing me today? And they're getting ready to stone Moses. And, and God says to Moses, strike the rock. So he strikes the rock. Water comes out of a rock. Say crazy. Come on. That's, that's, that's wild. And all the rocks, incidentally, in the Old Testament are symbolic of Jesus. Jesus says, I am, the, I am the rock, right? He tells the woman at the well, out of, out of me will flow rivers of living water. And so uh, a, lot of, a lot of symbolism in the Old Testament. But there's a point in Exodus 17, right before we're getting ready to read, that the people of God said, is God with us or not? And I think some people have seen the world go like this. And even Christians and church leaders and people go like this, that we start wondering, wait, is God with us or, or is he not? And I love right after that, they get attacked. Usually the enemy will strategically attack you when your faith is the most vulnerable. It'll be after something like bad news diagnosis or something happens in your business or something happens with your husband or your wife or your kids. Usually it's in moments of vulnerability that the enemy will send his attack strategically. How do you know that? Because when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up a... So it's almost like saying the devil knows when the standard's coming, so he knows when it's strategically coming like a flood. You still with me today? So a couple things I wanted to share, we'll get into this this morning, uh, but if you have your Bible, uh, we're going to read here about Amalek, uh, Amalek, excuse me, Amalek, Amalek, always have our time with this, uh, in verse 8. You guys ready to go? Yeah. Now, Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim, and Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men, go out. And fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill. On the top of the what? With the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him. And he fought with Amalek. And <laughs> Aflac. Um, <laughs> sound like that for a second. <clears throat> Praise God. Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. As he put up his hands, can you imagine, just, just for a minute, contextualize this, he can physically see people fighting, and he notices there's a correlation between when my hands are up, and it's like, wow, they're doing great. And his hands start sliding down, he starts seeing people get slaughtered. And he's like, well, I gotta keep my hands up. And they discovered that when his hands were up, there was victory. So Israel prevailed, but when his hands were down, they prevailed against them. But Moses' hands became heavy, Who's ever lifted your hands for more than one song? You know what I'm talking about. Like, this is this long worship set today. A little out of shape. And it says, after a while, his hands became heavy, that they actually took him, and they put a stone underneath him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. What you got to know about Bible warfare is they would always start battles at the first break of light. So for them to hold their hands, Moses' hands, until the sunset, it's very likely it was a 12-hour battle. I don't want to hear anybody complaining about three songs. It's not very long to lift your hands. 12 hours they have their hands up until the sun went down. So Joshua, who, who defeated Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of the young generation, Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of the Amalekites from under heaven. Notice that it says, write it down. 
This is the very first time in the Bible that God instructs his people to write something down. He had them collect stones when they crossed over the dry river, but he had never instructed them to take history and to write a document down for the future generations. The Ten Commandments were not yet given. Are you with me today? Very, very important here. Two things that we see that are first in a long time. First time they wrote something down ever in the, in the Bible. And he says after this, Moses built an altar. This is the very first altar that was built after they came out of Egypt. Abraham built altars, Noah built altars, Jacob built altars, many people built altars, but this was the very first time in the life of Moses in the book of Exodus that an altar is constructed. You guys with me today? So it says, Moses built an altar and came the name of it, the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nisi, is how you pronounce it in the original language. So he said, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. I want to talk to you today about taking ground, taking ground. I believe we're in a window that God is actually, there's a transfer of power, of prominence. There's a transfer of influence and strategy and wealth. And there's a, there, I, I believe it's happening right now. I have friends that are on the ground floor. They're becoming titans in different industries, media, arts, politics, business, and the church. God is, there's like a changing of the guards. You guys ready to go? I want to talk to you a little bit today about, about, about uh, taking ground. And just here's my title for you today, Better Than You Think. Better Than You Think. Father, I just thank you that you would be with us today. I pray, God, even as I know it's the eve of Halloween, I pray if there's anyone here that came with evil agendas, anybody that's here, Lord, not to worship you or to seek you, that came, Lord, with demonic agenda, we just command in Jesus Christ's name that they would either bow their knee at the end of this service or they would leave right now. I pray you are the king of this church. You are the God of this county. And I invite your Holy Spirit right now to speak, to lead, to guide, to convict, and to build people up. Lord, love your people well today. I pray you'd bless Oceans Church and all the churches of Orange County and California. And we pray that you would do what you can with the Lakers. In Jesus' name and God's people said amen. amen. Kind of a weak amen right there. Come on. They need a, they're 0-5, people. Well, you were like so serious. It's okay. You can have a sense of humor too. Are you with me? Demons got, they got the eviction notice. We got rid of them. And then come on, we got to pray for the Lakers now. All right. I won five. All right. Uh, I was thinking about a couple things. Um, I was thinking about areas of life that you thought it wasn't going to be as good as it was, but it ended up being better than you thought originally. First thing that popped into my head is, have you ever gone to a restaurant that tried to tell you by the way they decorate and the way they clean the front of their store that they don't care about their food, but they actually do? Have you ever been to a good old-fashioned hole-in-the-wall restaurant? Come on, I'm taking an amen in Orange County. You ever, you ever been somewhere you're like, dude, this place, listen, do not judge the food by the cushions on the table. Come on. Cushions have been raptured years ago. Paint is peeling off the wall. There's four layers of wallpaper underneath it. But listen to me. They know how to make some taquitos. Come on, somebody. I love a good hole-in-the-wall restaurant. I have a friend, my friend Doug uh, and Lydia. They told me about a great place. It's in Santa Ana, and they specialize in baby burritos. Now, I don't know if you know this, but Mexican food is the uh, selected food of heaven. It's going to be catered 24-7. I, I went, I remember we, they told me, I can't remember, someone asked me what the name of it was, like Las Palma Burritos or something like that, I think it's the name of it. It's unbelievable, right? It's in, uh, it's in Santa Ana, and they make these little baby burritos. They have no seats. You can't eat inside the restaurant. So you can order it and sit on the curb, or you can order it and take it home. And I'm telling you, I'm like, I walked in, I'm like, this place does not look like the, the crown jewel of all food. And forgive me if you own this place, just, just out by why. This guy's going to get beat up by the owner of this place at the end of this message. No, it didn't look like a five-star. My friend Doug says, Mark, it got a, a Michelin, uh, uh, basically a Michelin endorsement or it wasn't a, a full-blown Michelin star, but it got like a thumbs up from Michelin. Now, Michelin, if you don't know what that is, they're a tire company. And uh, unbelievable. Good year, Michelin. Uh, no, no, it's, it's like a, we'll keep going. Uh, it's just, 
So it's really they 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 recommend really highly uh, amazing restaurants that are that are awesome. And so I went there. I had a burrito, and ever since I every month or so, I will drive 35, 40 minutes. Doesn't look like Javier's on the inside, but you t- you bite into this food. You're like, oh my, that was way better than I thought it was going to be. Like it's worth putting on a bulletproof vest. You know, it's kind of in the hood. I'm looking both ways, but I'm going in. I'm like, I need those burritos. It's better than I thought it was going to be. It's actually interesting. The story that God told me to share with you guys is I have a friend out of state. He has a cabin, and uh, he had a new neighbor that moved in from out of state, and he wanted to change the direction of his driveway. So he had a lot that was big enough to actually change where the driveway entrance was, so he did it. Well, he got kind of a nasty message from his neighbor saying, you uh, encroached on my land, change it immediately or else. He's never met this neighbor before, and this friend of mine is probably the nicest, happiest guy I know. Like, when he gets nervous, he laughs. Do you know anybody like that? Any nervous laughers? It's like, you're scared, you're freaked out, you just start laughing. (laughs) So, he was getting ready to put it back, but the guy, he went to knock on the, before he did, he went to the store, came back. There's signs all over the yard. Like signs, no trespassing signs, all these caution tapes. And he's like, this is getting out of control. He called the city. The city's calling him saying, hey, we're going to have to come after you. If you don't get this, he's going to file a lawsuit. He's like, it went from zero to like legion for we are many. You know what I'm talking about? It went crazy fast. And so my friend's the nicest guy in the world. He went and knocked on the neighbor's door. And the neighbor literally came out with a golf club or a baseball bat. can't remember which one it was. And his wife with a video phone, she's filming, and she starts yelling obscenities at my friend. And he's coming out like he's going to hit my friend. And he just starts laughing. He's like, is this really happening right now? He wasn't even upset. He's like, I'll put it all back. I, I, I didn't know it was such a, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't know that that was on your property line. And the guy goes, you better, blah, 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 beep, 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 just like cussing him out. It was this crazy interaction. And so my friend went to the city and goes, hey, well, can you show me where my property ends so I can make sure I honor this guy's space? Well, the funny part of the story is, is the city goes, yeah, we've been looking into it. Actually, um, we found out that about a third of his lot is actually on your property. And so not only is your driveway that you put in fine, but most of his driveway is on your land. So I was like, dude, tell me the rest of the story. I love stories like this. I love it when demons come on, get evicted. Kind of reminded me of a story I heard of a, I heard of a, a lady that was struggling financially and she had a landlord that was this mean atheist guy. And every time she prayed, she would mock, mock uh, the landlord would mock her for praying. And one day she said, God, I don't have any money for groceries. You know, I need bread. You know, Lord, I need some macaroni and cheese. You know, Lord, I need some vegetables and some fruit. You know, I need some, come on, some chicken. Some pig's feet. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> just telling the story. I was embellished. She, she actually shares her uh, grocery list. Please, Lord, provide it in Jesus' name. And this guy would always make fun of her for praying in this courtyard area. So literally, about, about three hours later, she, she gets a knock at the door, and she opens up, and she grabs the groceries out, and it literally has the bread, it has the fruit, it has the chicken, it has all the macaroni and cheese. Everything she prayed for was in the back. And she literally started crying, and she goes, God, I worship you. Thank you for hearing my prayer. And... Uh, the landlord jumps out. He goes, ha, I gotcha. He said, your God does not exist. He didn't get you these groceries. I did. And she said, no, the Lord heard my prayer and made the devil do it. Come on, somebody. Better than you think. Love stories like that. Just better than you think. It's better than you think. I believe that we're going to take ground. Moses got attacked. Listen, when we get attacked, the first thing we have to learn how to do as believers is we have to get above the attack. Say with me, get above it. The biggest problem with most Christians is when we get attacked, we go right into the battle instead of taking time to get above it. 
I'm telling you that whenever you're under fire, under stress, under pressure, never make long life altering decisions when you are being attacked. The first thing you do when you are under fire is you have to get alone with God and get above the problem. It's funny, sometimes we call human beings for problems only God can solve. I don't need to vent, I need to pray. There's a problem in the church today that when we face problems, we vent to men about problems that God can only solve in prayer. Prayer is, listen to me, prayer is your secret weapon. It is where we go when we have nowhere else to turn to. And I'm telling you today that we are going to take ground in this season. It's going to be better than you think. But the first thing I heard the Lord saying is we have to take time to get above the problem. In your marriage, with your child, with your, listen, before you talk to your spouse when you're upset, get above the problem in prayer first. Get the mind of God about your issue at work before you go into the boardroom. Get with, are you hearing me today? There was moments in Idaho that I would be leading a meeting and I'd have a, I'd have a bad phone call or some nasty email I had to vet and I, my mind would be over here and I had people that were looking up to me in times of crisis and I have to get in my car and go, God, I'm not going into that church until you empty the poison from my soul and you fill me from, with wisdom, fill me with grace, fill me with forgiveness. I'm not walking into the church bitter. And some of you aren't solving problems because you're not getting above them. Moses said, choose some men. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to physically get hands. We're getting boots on the ground. Boots on the ground. Which, by the way, is one of my favorite comedy sketches of Brian Regan. He says, I don't have a problem with sending boots on the ground overseas. People get nervous about boots on the ground. It's like, I think we should literally just send a bunch of boots in an airplane and just start dropping off a bunch of boots on our enemies. Just piles of boots, right? Just drown our enemies in boots. Can I get an amen? Sorry, I was just a little funny spot that I want to stop there for a moment. You guys still with me? Boots on the ground. I do believe that we have to put our feet on the fields that we want to take dominion in. I would say the indictment sometimes on churches like ours that are more presence driven is we will pray until the paint falls off the walls. But after we pray, we have to invade. Too many times we actually stay on the mountain with heavenly strategies and we actually never take dominion with the strategy. If you notice, all the men that had encounters with God, they had encounters on the mountain, but they did not spend their mission on the mountain. Moses met the burning bush, led people 40 years through a desert. Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on the Mount of Transfiguration, was bedazzled before him, come on, was turned into another uh, transfiguration. Crazy. Moses went up and got the Ten Commandments. All the people that met on the mountain never stayed on the mountain. And what I found with churches like ours that are very presence-driven is sometimes we just worship the mountain and we forget that there's business to do in the valley. There's dominion that God wants us to take in the industries that we're in. God does not want to just be the Lord of your church. He wants to be the Lord of your industry. Come on, if I can't get a Pentecostal, amen. Come on, give me Baptist head. Give me something today. I need something. God wants to go with you to your job. Did you know that most of the miracles of Jesus didn't happen in church meetings? They happened in the marketplace? It was the centurion. It was, it was the nobleman. It was, it was oftentimes in the public square that God did his greatest exploits. Jesus got alone on the mountain, but the miracles happened in the marketplace. God is doing it once again that God is saying, get above what you're doing. And then when you get above it, I'll give you wisdom from heaven. That'll give you the keys to unlock when you put your boots on the ground. You'll know what to do when you're in the war. I find many of us live from this reactionary condition that it's like the enemy invades and we just try to go hand-to-hand combat instead of realizing if we'll get above it. What do you mean by getting above it? I mean taking a moment to get with God and ask really just two simple questions. God, how do you see this? How do you see this problem? I believe you'll ask God, how do you see this issue? The second thing that you'll ask him is really simple. How do you see this? How can I fix it? 
And what you'll find is God will collaborate with your intelligence. He'll actually co-create with your, with your mind. And he'll start giving you ideas and, and solutions and dreams from heaven. Because listen to me, it's in times of crisis that God causes his people to rise to the top. Do you know what's interesting about crisis famine times? It was when Pharaoh had terrifying dreams that literally, it, that it was in the dreams of, of, of his uninterpreted dreams that God revealed the limitation of satanic power and he revealed the limitless power of the spirit of God. In Daniel's day, when you have people like Nebuchadnezzar, it was literally, Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm killing all of the wise men. If you can't tell me the dream and its interpretation, all of you are dead. And I want you to know that it's in times of famine, crisis, uncertainty, that God will show you his limitless power. Say with me, get above it. Come on, that's better than your response. Say, get above it. When you get above it in prayer and you say, God, show me how you see it and show me what to do to fix it. God wants to raise up an army of men and women that become the answer to the world's problems. You wouldn't know by that response. And that's the problem with some of the theology of the church is we think we have to sit in the fetal position, sucking our thumbs, worshiping on Sundays, and cowering in some cave during the week. He's not coming back for a church that's retreating. He's coming back for a people that are advancing, that are being salt, that are being light, that are going in and representing Jesus well to the world. God so loved the church. God so loved the why would God love the world so much that he would die for the world by creating a church, by sending his spirit, by giving a message of the kingdom that would bring his sons and daughters from the four corners of the earth back to the Father? We got to get above it. And everyone said amen. When we get above it, God will give us tools to get in it. That's what we do next. We got to, okay, God, I'm going to get above it. Here's the difficulty. Here's the challenge. All right. I'm a, I'm a real estate agent. Now the interest rates are super high. Lord, here's the problem. What do I do next? And I did feel like the Lord said there's going to be a transfer of wealth in this window. People that are in investments, stocks, uh, people that are involved in real estate, developments. God is going to show his, his people how to have creative solutions in this window that no one else in Babylon is going to know. It's almost like we're, we're going to know where the ball's going to go before it gets kicked there. I believe in a God that will help show you how to win, how to take ground if you'll get above it and ask God for wisdom to get into it. And here's the third thing we got to do is we got to commit to hearts. God, as you move mightily, number three, I will document it. I think too many times as believers, we pray huge prayers. God comes through huge, and we never tell anybody about it. Our kids don't know about it. Our grandkids don't know what God's done for your family. And I'll be honest, entitlement is, is, is uh, reproduced where the stories of God's power are not told. That is where entitlement comes from. That's why over and over again it says, hey, when this happens, collect those stones, show your kids one day. Hey, tell the story one day. Show them how to sacrifice to me one day like I showed you. Tell them the stories about how the Passover came and we, you were delivered out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Tell them how you came out of Egypt rich when you should have came out poor. Tell your kids the stories. And I do feel like there's a resurgence in the church that God's saying, I'm going to do miracles, but will you tell people about them? We got too many covert op Christians that are praying big prayers privately and telling nobody's for God to get the glory publicly. God's not looking for James Bond Christians. Come on. He needs some public believers that aren't scared to say, yeah, I am a believer. I, I follow the teachings of Jesus. I'm not outdated. I'm not out of touch. I can be a leader in what I'm doing, and I can stand on the kingdom principles of who Jesus Christ is. Well, they don't love you. Well, that's all right. I'd rather have the approval of God than the approval of men. And I've learned this, that you don't need the people that hate you to get where God wants you to go. Anytime people stand for God, you'll always have critics. It's to this, it's to that, it's to this. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't say this. You shouldn't be that. Listen to me. You got to do what God's asked you to do. Get above it. Get in it. Number three, document it. There will be things that happen the next six months, I believe, prophetically, that's going to happen in your family, in your business, with your children. Even as we heard the story today about their daughter, 
How crazy that God would bring her into the world with, with the doctor said, a heart issue born on heart day, Valentine's Day, and she's healthy. What a documented story. Can you imagine the rest of her life being reminded on Valentine's Day, yeah, the doctors thought that your heart was going to be screwed up, but you came into the world with a healthy heart because when we got a bad report, we didn't go out into the battle. We got above it in prayer, and we believe that our God can and will help us. And our faith got stronger and not weaker in the battle. Too many people get weak in battles because they don't get above them. Say it again. Get above it. Get into it with wisdom and then document it. And I think that it's really important. If we're going to fight well, we got to make sure when we get tired, we're stationed on the rock. I love that it says Aaron and her are like, hey, come over here. Sit down on this rock. Rocks were always symbolic of your faith in Jesus. Some people say, I don't need Jesus. I'm telling you, if you do what God made you to do in life, you will never do it without his help. God has not made any one of us to do. I've heard it said this way. I wrote it down. To be much for God, we must be much with God. To be much for God, we must be much with God. Prayer links man's impotence to God's omnipotence. And I believe this is so critical that we're taking ground. Famines have always caused God's people to rise. Say with me, rise. You look at people like, like Joseph, like Daniel, like Shadrach, like Meshach, like Abednego, like Esther, all the men and women of old. It was in windows of crisis when no one knew what to do that God brought men and women to prominence. We are in such a window right now. And I'm telling you, it's going to be awesome because they're going to cause God's people to begin to shine. I felt this morning as I prayed last night, he said there is people here that you've had basically, being honest, a very terrible life. You've had a really unjust upbringing, physically abused, sexually abused, mentally abused. And God reminded me of Joseph that he was actually betrayed by his own family. His brothers beat him up, threw him into a hole. They threatened to kill him. And they said, no, there's a better option than killing our brother today. Let's sell him into slavery so we make money off of him. And can you imagine the trauma you would have if you were beaten by your brothers, sold into slavery by your brother? How much trauma? That's a lot of trauma. And then he gets to this place, does a good job, and do, for doing a good job, his master's wife wants to have an affair with him, but he's too righteous because he realizes, I can't do this and screw up my favor with God. Because God is the only favor I have in my life. So he says, no. He gets accused of rape. We know that her husband didn't believe him. Because if Potiphar would have believed that Joseph was a rapist, the penalty for that was murder. They didn't murder him. They put him in a prison. Which tells us that Potiphar knew that Joseph was telling the truth. But he was trying to appease his wife. I don't have time to break all this stuff down. But show, I'll show you this. Then he, he, he interprets a dream from a butler and a baker. You know what's crazy? The dream comes true. The butler gets promoted. The butler, the only request he makes is, remember me when you get back in your position. He forgets. You know what crazy part is? In time of crisis, Potiphar has a dream. No one knows the meaning of it. And all of a sudden, the butler gets his amnesia, goes away. And he goes, I know a guy in the prison that interprets dreams. And in crisis, God elevates Joseph. And here's what I felt the Lord saying. When he got elevated, God had already dealt with his unforgiveness. Because what I don't read about Joseph is a revenge tour. I don't read about him grabbing the butler going, hey, butler, you're in prison for three years. Let's see how you like it. We don't hear him going to Potiphar's house and saying, hey, Potiphar, you're fired, you're arrested, and your wife's going to be executed because she lied. We don't hear about him going to his brothers and saying, let me throw you in a pit. Let me sell you into slavery. And let me beat you down for 20 years. We don't read these stories. And you know what the crazy part is? In Genesis 41, he has a child. And his first kid, you know what he names his first kid? Manasseh. And Manasseh means God has made me forget the pain I went through in my father's house.
and I, I know this is a long tangent, but God told me last night, some of you have had a really bad upbringing, and God's love can actually heal the pain of your entire upbringing. He can do it. I have a mentor, pastors of a big church in New York City, and one day there was this girl that came in, and she just had a crazy story. She was molested by her father, just the most terrible upbringing. She was a stripper, got into crazy lifestyle, was addicted to drugs. And literally the first Sunday she came to the church, she came down to the front, she started, she started weeping, gave her a hug, and they started praying for her. And literally this girl, all just like 25 years of just the worst lifestyle you can imagine. Just every evil, wicked thing in the world that the devil could throw at this girl, she got hit with it. And she started weeping in that altar. In the span of four weeks, her life was so dramatically changed. She got out of the industry she was in. She got healthy. She got off the drugs. She was suicidal. She was going to take her life that week. It was wild. But the crazy part of the story is about a month later, she took a trip to upstate New York to apologize to her father, or excuse me, to actually to talk to her father and say, Dad, I want you to know what you did to me when I was a kid it was awful. I hated you my whole life. I wanted to kill you. Many times I thought about killing you because you were so wicked to me. But I want you to know four weeks ago, God healed me in a way that I didn't know I could be healed. And I want you to know that even though I, I, I know you probably don't deserve it, I forgive you. You know what's crazy? This girl, the last 10 years, has traveled the world telling her story. She married a dentist. She has beautiful kids, has an amazing life, and she preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. God can make beautiful things come out of the ashes. If you believe it today, come on, give him a good hand clap. Almost finished. When God gives us the opportunity to get above it, we, we go into it with wisdom. We document the miracles that God does. And the last thing we got to learn to do is we have to build altars there. I think one of the greatest things you can do with God is when God has delivered, when God has saved, when God has answered, when God has provided, when God has shown himself to be God in your life, sometimes we move so fast to the next prayer request that we don't stop and build an altar. Altars were constructed to say, God, I could have died, but you spared my life. I, I should have filed bankruptcy, but God, you were so so providentially sovereign. I, I, I shouldn't have made it here or there. I should have. Is that anybody else have a story like that? And I think God will allow us to take ground when he knows that when he gets us through the storm, we will be altar builders. Problem with many Christians, I saw it. 2006, all the big business people, they started coming back to church because they started getting on the, on, on the desk doorstep in their businesses. 2007, 8, 9, 10, it's like a revival. Everybody's back in church because they don't have a bunch of extra money to fly all over the world and to buy all their luxury items and they're about to file bankruptcy, all the big developers. And what happens if we're not careful is we pray big prayers, God, let me never lose this faith again the rest of my life. And God answers your prayer, leads you out of the woods. And some, some of my friends that were so close to God in the recession, they came back bigger and better, and they got blessed out of church again. And I don't ever want the blessing of God to stop me from building altars. I want the blessing of God to say, God, if you bless me, if you'll keep me in the way that I'm going, and give me clothes to wear and food to eat, and you'll lead me into my future, I swear, I promise, I'll serve you the rest of my life. I'll give you the best years of my life. I'm not going to wait to my deathbed to give you my whole heart. And we have too many people saying, I'll give God the leftover parts of my life. Give him the best parts of your life. And if God increases you, don't let the increase lead you out of the house of God. Too many people are blessed out of church. Whether I have little or I have much, all of it belongs to God. I'm going to document the miracles and I'm going to build altars. I repeat, come on, Ocean's Church, we're going to document the miracles and we're going to build altars after they're done. Amen? We're going to get above it. We're going to go into it with wisdom. We're going to document it. And we're going to build altars when we're... Come on, give them 10 seconds. Hey, clap, you believe it today. Say these three words. Problems, prayer, power. Problems, prayer.
prayer, power. Say it again. Problems, prayer, power. Have you out here in five minutes? Watch this. God told me this is me window that when problems arise, we're gonna pray. And when we pray and we get above it, we're gonna have we're gonna have the, a, a, a power come into us to solve the problems, and we're gonna rise above them. You guys ready to go? So I want to just pray this over us. So you all stand on your feet and pray for three things. Get you out of here real quick. First thing is this. How many would say, Mark, I want to be an answer to the world's problems. I want God to use me to fix battles in the valley by getting alone with him up on the mountaintops. I want to get above what's going on in my life to have the perspective of God and the heart of God. Lift your hands all over. I want that to me. I want, I want the heart of God to see the problems of the world with his heart, his mind, his solutions. So with our hands up, we say, Holy Spirit. Help us to see the world as you see it. Say like this, Holy Spirit, help us to be the answer to a broken world's prayers. Make us solutions in Jesus' name. I'm going to get alone. I'm going to get above it. I'm going to get alone with you. I'm going to get above it. I'm going to get alone with you, and I'm going to get above it. I'm going to get above it. I'm going to get above it in prayer. Jesus name now here's what's so cool I see like uh, I don't normally do this but I see I feel like there's a lot of business people in the service or watching online and I just feel like some of you you're having to almost almost change the tools in your toolbox and God is gonna he's gonna retrofit you with the tools that'll work in this next season God's gonna give a wisdom like Daniel like Joseph to know what to do and how to do it there's going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of this. Joseph knew what to do in the surplus and he knew what to do in the famine. And I pray, Lord, for your people. I pray for strategies from heaven to know what to do with surplus and know what to do in famine. I thank you that, God, we have wisdom to soar in both climates. And the people of God are going to be elevated. If it's, if it's raining in Babylon, it will be blue skies in Goshen. We thank you that we are the people of God, that we have the favor of God. And that if God be for us, who can be uh, against us? We ask you, Lord, to lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name. Second thing, God told me he's going to heal today. Some of you, it's the memories of your youth. Some of you, you're going to be blessed out of this affliction that you've been in. And God's going to make you fruitful. It's like the things that tried to destroy you are going to become the story that you tell. And your testimony is going to have power. There's someone here today that you were suicidal this week. And God says, you're not going to die. You're going to live. You're not going to give up. You're going to get started. You're going to get above it. You're going to go into it. You're going to conquer that giant with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And God's going to give you a story of victory to document and an altar to build. God's going to use you, sir. Going to use you, ma'am someone here you've been addicted to antidepressants you've been drinking your kidney and your liver is destroyed you're destroying it right now God's gonna deliver you from the addiction and he's gonna heal your liver and you're not gonna die young he's gonna add decades to your life today in Jesus name all over the tents all over the tents online if you need a healing mentally or physically in your body you need God to heal you or maybe even set you free from some addiction that you just can't get free from I need a touch from God today. I need a touch from God. How many know that we all need a touch sometimes? Who needs a touch from God? Just lift your hands all over the room, physically, mentally, some sort of breakthrough from maybe a vice. Lift your hands. doesn't make you weird. It makes you honest. doesn't make you weird. It makes you honest. If your hand's not up, if your hand's not up, keep your hands up if they're up. But if your hand's not up, just find someone next to you. Just put your hand on their shoulder. We pray for people every week at Ocean's Church. Every week, people get healed. Every week, people get touched. So make sure everybody has a hand on their shoulder. Put your hand up. You want prayer. You want prayer. Put your hand up. We pray right now all over these tents, online. Come on, pray like this, Ocean, say in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we release you. We invite you. Fill their mind. Fill their bodies. Fill their soul with the Spirit of God. Liberate. Evict darkness. Discouragement. Addiction and sickness holy spirit heal soothe comfort bring your peace do what only you can do in the way that only you can do it in jesus name god i thank you right now that you would touch shoulders and backs and spines and 
nerves and muscles. I pray for filling to come back to areas with atrophy. I pray numbness would leave in, in fingers and toes, extremities. I pray even someone that has like an arm that has been going numb, it's been going numb for no reason. I just pray you would heal in Jesus' name. Heal in Jesus' name. Someone you got shin splints a couple of years ago. God healed you and they started coming back. God is healing you once again that you may know that this is a house of miracles. God, do what only you can do in Jesus' name. Last thing we do this morning, church, you can stop praying for them. That's awesome. It's every week. We do this every week. We, probably the most important thing we do at every service is we create a space where people can invite God into their life. Say, so, you know, honestly, I'm not living for Jesus or with Jesus, but I want him to be the God that leads my life. I want to document and I want to build altars with my life. I want to live for Jesus. I want to live with him. I want to be full of his spirit. If that's you all over Ocean's Church today, eyes closed, heads bowed. If their hands aren't going up, it's probably because they've already done it. I'd say about 90% of this group has already given their lives to Jesus. But there's a chunk today that you know you're not walking with God and today's the day. How good is it to give the devil a black eye the day before Halloween? When did you give your life to Jesus? October 30th, 2022. Some of you, you'll tell your grandkids of what you were like before Jesus. They're not going to believe you. But it'll be 20, 30 years from now. And you'll say, no, it was October 30th of 2022 that I really gave God my heart. There's some older people in here. You're in your 60s, 70s. Forgive me, I'm not, I'm not saying that's old, but just older than me. Um, but you're older, 70, maybe even 80 and you haven't really given God your heart, today's the day. Eyes closed all over for a minute. Young and old alike, I want to give my heart to God. I want to live my life for Jesus. I want to, I want to spend time getting above the issues of life. I want to live in the, in the battlefield on what God wants me to do. I want to document his favor in, my, in, the, in the miracles of my life. And I want to be an altar builder with wherever God leads and takes me. God, give me strategy from heaven to be an answer to this world's prayers in Jesus' name. If that's you all over the room, would you lift your hands on the count of three? Hands are already going up. I love that. That's so cool when that happens. Eyes are closed. No one's looking. Start putting your hands. I'll give you three seconds. One. More hands going up. Yeah, Lord, everyone needs to respond. Let them not miss this moment. Two. No one's looking. No one's like, well, hi. Three. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to raise your hands. Just raise your hands. Raise your hands. Let's see. Three, four. Real high, real high, real high. Five, real high, real high. Six. Keep it up. Seven, real high. Eight. Yeah, I see you in the back. Nine. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I see at least nine hands. Would you pray online today? If that's you, just write heart right now, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook, just write heart, H-E-A-R-T. I always encourage you, even if you're listening to this message like 10 years from now, respond to this moment. It's between you and God, but write heart. Something about publicly moving that activates God's public approval. And so Jesus said, if you deny me in front of people, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. But if you acknowledge me, I'll acknowledge you. So right now, there was, how many was that? Was this? nine I think there's actually six more people six more that's cool I love when God speaks to me like that. that's awesome six more people just do me a favor close your eyes you didn't raise your hand but your heart is literally beating out of your chain your chest I'm not saying you're not going to have a heart attack but your heart is definitely it's moving right now you like, I don't want to be embarrassed you're not gonna be embarrassed I'm not gonna do anything weird I'm just gonna have you raise your hand if you didn't raise your hand think there's one right there you didn't raise your hand but you were supposed to there's five more people no one's looking. Just close your eyes. Would you raise your hand right now? Give me another chance. One. There's five more. There's, there's, yeah, I see two hands. Two. Real high. Real quick. Three. Would you raise your hand real nice? This, this time. This time. Come on. Give them a good hand clap real quick. No one's looking. No one's looking. Okay, I see three hands on this side. Three hands. You didn't raise your hand, but you're supposed to. Four hands. Anybody else? Yeah, I, I, I already counted you, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? You didn't raise your hand, but you're supposed to. I thought there's two more people. Maybe it's online. Two more people? No? No? There's, oh, thank you. Thank you, man. There's, there's one. One more? Is there one more? One more. You didn't raise your hand, but you're supposed to. Heart is beating out of your, I want God in my life. All right. All right. I think that's for sure five. I think there's six. Just close your eyes. I pray. Lord, I know it takes an extra minute or so, but 
Just pray there's one person that's on the fence. Well, explain the dinosaurs. Explain, explain, explain creation, explain, explain, explain. You know what's crazy? There's a story in the Bible about Jesus healing a blind man. And all the religious experts were like, he can't be a God. He did this on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. And the, and the blind guy that got healed, he's like, well, I don't know about all that religious deep combo. All I know is about an hour ago, I couldn't see. And now I see. Some of you are waiting to answer every deep question before you give God your heart. God's like, dude, you're not going to figure me out for eternity. You think your eight-pound brain's going to gauge me right now? I'm not saying you can't grow in knowledge, but I think sometimes knowledge isn't as important as surrender. And honestly, many times you, you learn after you surrender. So I'm out of time. There's one more at least. There's two more actually. You didn't raise your hand, but you're supposed to. Would you pop it up real quick? Eyes closed, heads bowed. There's one right there, yeah. Anybody else? All right. Well, that's six. All right, that's six. We're good. Pray this prayer, Oceans. Say, Jesus, I invite you today to be the lover and the healer of my soul. Would you do for me what I can't do for myself? Clean me, heal me, restore me, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. My heart is yours. Rebuild and restore now in Jesus' name. Just stay here for a minute. I promise we'll help you out in just a second. My friend with the blue shirt over here, just put your hand on your heart. I feel like God wanted me to tell you that you honored him today, and now he's going to honor you. You watch how four decades of pain God takes in one moment. He's going to remove the sting of what four decades tried to almost, almost like try to destroy your faith, try to destroy your soul. God's just so pleased that you would open up today after some of the dark things that happened to you that weren't your fault. You were even like many times innocent of some of the things you saw even as a young boy. God today is healing your heart. He's healing your mind. He's going to make you forget the storms, waves that were cold and that were, that were uh, scary. And he's going to show you that he's the God that brings sunshine after the storms. I pray that you would bless them. I see, Lord, even over the next 16 months, there's going to be some big open door that happens, some sort of settlement or something that God's going to take care of. He's fighting for you. Don't worry about even retirement. There's like things, things that are moving right now in place that God's going to put you in the right place. There's going to be an outcome that's going to be favorable. And there's going to be some things that like are ups, like subsidized and some things that are released that you thought you were going to have to take care of. God, I pray you would fight for my friend today in Jesus' name. Jesus name. Bonnie, you doing okay? Holy Spirit, come. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Just close your eyes. He's here. Father, I pray for Reed Cummings today. We, we command feeling to be released to his face, to his muscles, to his extremities. I pray even by this time next week that God, that things would come online that have been dormant for months. Do what only you can do faster than anyone could think you could do it. And let doctors be amazed and say, we have to do a case study about how you recovered the way that you did. God, if you can do it for Iman, we believe you can do it for Reed. In Jesus' name, come on, you've got a hand clap today. It's going to be a good week.